And we're back for another episode of the So Close Yet So Far podcast with myself, Andrew King, along with Zach McVeigh. We're gonna we're going down south this week uh, as our NFL preview starts to come to a close. Only only a few more divisions left. We're going to be talking about the NFC South and the AFC South this week. So we've got the su- defending Super Bowl champs, Tom Brady, in the NFC South, and then arguably the biggest free agent splash in the AFC South with Julio Jones joining up with uh, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and those guys in Tennessee. So how's it going, Zach? It's going good. It's going good. We're getting uh, inching our way closer to uh, the starting point about two weeks out. So getting there. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I think we could both agree. Maybe these two divisions aren't, I guess, the flashiest in terms of some of the other other teams we've talked about. I, w- I would say neither divisions really stacked, um, especially with obviously another storyline is maybe just who's not in the NFC South anymore with Drew Brees, um, a whole new chapter for New Orleans and right. with Taysom Hill, Jameis. Those are one of the few, I guess, preseason games worth watching might just be the New Orleans Saints because there's actually something to play for out there. And, you know, Jameis had a good night last night, uh, Monday Night Football against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so looks like he, he might have the hand up right now. Um, but there's also been reports in New Orleans that maybe Sean Payton, he really he doesn't want to take that, I guess, Swiss Army knife roll away from Taysom Hill as well. And so that could play into things as well in New Orleans. Yeah, and I was watching that game last night as well. And uh, Taysom Hill didn't look great. Uh, Jameis definitely looked better. And in order for – we can go ahead and just start on the Saints for sure. But uh, in order to uh, – for Taysom Hill to win this job, he had to be a lot better than Jameis Winston because, like you said, he brings so much else – so much other stuff to the table. Jameis just sits on the sidelines um, and Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback. So I think that it's good that Sean Payton gave them both a shot. But uh, like you said, he can't take Taysom Hill off the field. And they're just a better offense overall when both guys are on the field. And so I think that's what has to be done. Exactly. And I, I think and it's it's come the, – the role that Taysom Hill carved out in the NFL, got a pretty big contract off of it, is almost what very well could keep him away from being the number one quarterback on the Saints is that, like you said, he does have – he can thrive in other roles in this offense. And to be honest, too, Jameis deserves the job as of as of right now. From what we've seen on the field um, in, in the in, with the media, just what he's saying, he, he looks humbled and rightfully so after being the Heisman Trophy winner, national championship quarterback, number one pick to being a guy who's been sitting on the bench for a few years. He, he talked about Third starting pre- last year. Yeah, he talked about starting a preseason game and how just honored he was to be able to do that because he truly has been humbled by the National Football League. Um, over the last few years and his rise and fall just like that and so so far he's earned it and there, there's a lot of people that that want to see Jameis have some success and yes it's no it's not Drew Brees but you've still got Sean Payton there you've got Alvin Kamara Michael Thomas obviously he's going to be out for a while but there 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 are some pieces in that offense and Jameis can have some success there and so th- there will be some people rooting for him and I, I think he gets it just solely based off what you said where Taysom Hill can thrive in other parts of this offense as well. Yeah, and the Saints have kind of run this division um, besides that one Falcons year ever, like for the last 10 years because of Drew Brees. And uh, we'll have to see how Sean Payton deals with uh, uh, not having Brees. But last year, the Saints defense was the number one scoring defense um, in the league the last nine weeks of the season. So they're losing a major piece on offense, but that defense is coming back and they're, they're still a strong piece. And they can almost, instead of relying on Drew Brees to win games this year, they can they can really rely on that defense. They've got a uh, Demario Davis as the middle linebacker. He had a monster year last year, 
And uh, I'm just excited to kind of see this defense and, and uh, maybe the Saints kind of change their identity this year. Yeah, and I, I think maybe they have been just because of Drew Brees's, I guess, steps back, like arm talent-wise, arm strength-wise over the last few years. They've kind of had to adapt in a little bit, and that defense is one of the reasons why, like you said, they've been so good year in and year out because they haven't just relied on Drew Brees. Um, and obviously they have Marshawn Lattimore locked down corner as well. Um, but Janoris Jenkins is a guy who was in New Orleans for a while. He's he's an older cornerback left in free agency. Started all thir- yeah, and, and so he's in Tennessee now. So um, it'll be interesting to see who could fill that that number two spot at, at cornerback for the Saints. It could be all-time trash talker Chauncey Garner-Johnson. Uh, oh. that, that's, that, 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 he's always a guy that always finds his way on the field for New Orleans and seems to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. But that that's a storyline that I'm interested um, to see, especially just when you look at that division if, and, uh, and, and you look at Atlanta and Tampa Bay's passing attacks, that number two cornerback spot could be very important for New Orleans. Yeah, and they also added to a, to a loss. They lost uh, Trey Hendrickson uh, to the Bengals, who uh, not many people really had heard of before last year, but he had 13 and a half sacks for him. And so even though it wasn't a huge name, that's a huge loss for them. Um, but just in case uh, people forgot forgot our uh, favorite trash-talking corner, you want to remind them of the uh, story with the necklace? Uh, what happened there? Oh, man. Here, you, you tell it. I, I don't even remember it that well. He, uh, yeah, well, last season, all I remember is, like, he, he got two necklaces, like, in separate games, like, twice. <laughs> twice he pulled off a dude's necklace, and both times he – they were going after him. I think one was against the Bucks, and it might have been Mike Evans. I don't quote me on that, but um, yeah, he just kept pulling off people's necklaces and getting people riled up at them. And so that that that's our, our trash talking trash talking corner that we love. He's the pesky guy you need on the defense. You need you need a couple of those crazy dudes out there. But yeah, in, in terms of Trey Hendrickson, he's a guy I don't honestly hadn't really heard of, but. Four years, $60 million deal with Cincinnati. We'll see if it turns out to be smart money. Um, but his big 2020 season really did pay off. Yeah, for sure. And uh, going back to the offensive side of the ball, losing Michael Thomas is, is huge. Um, the Saints signed Chris Hogan in free agency to get some uh, wide receiver depth. But beyond that, without Michael Thomas, there's really not not much out there for uh, Jameis or uh, Taysom Hill to work with. Um, it's going to have to be, in my eyes, Kamara. Uh, carrying the load once again. Last year, he led them in rushing and receiving, and I think that that's uh, something that will probably uh, happen again. He had 930 yards rushing and about 700 yards receiving last year, and he's he's their whole offense to me. Yeah, I think we're going to see Kamara, especially with Michael Thomas out, in a very similar presence of the offense like we see with McCaffrey in Carolina where he it everything is going to have to run through him um, but we saw Marquez Callaway last night a uh, youngster out of Florida and he was he was really a really explosive guy obviously one of the top receivers in the SEC could be a breakout guy early in the season because some like you said someone's going to have to step up early on with Michael Thomas out but it's it's clear though that that offense is going to run through Kamara and just getting the ball out to him in the flat five times a game you know let, let him let him make some stuff happen because Auto, that's, automatic that's eight yards exactly time. exactly and so okay well, with that we'll move on to really the the favorites um whether you want to say they're the favorites for the super bowl they're definitely the favorites for this division that's the tampa bay bucks um tom brady all 22 starters back 
from this team. Obviously, they've got some older guys on the team, not not just Tom Brady, Gronk. You've got guys like Nadam Kinsu who are who are aging, but they're still playing really, really well. What are, what are some of your thoughts on the Bucks going into the season, Zach? Yeah, really just how balanced they are uh, across the board. At linebacker, they have Shaq Barrett, eight sacks last year. Levante David, uh, Devin White, who had nine sacks. Um, that Those three guys, as your linebackers, I don't know how you run anything east to west. They're just so quick, so fast. Those linebackers are deadly. They also have Jason Pierre-Paul, who um, it was surprised. I was looking up the stats yesterday, and I kind of figured that he was done after he left the Giants, but he had he had he had ten sacks last year. Um, so they just get in production out of all these guys uh, on the defensive side, and then not even to mention they have four receivers that can go off for a hundred yards any game. Uh, Mike Evans had over a thousand yards last year. Chris Godwin uh, has gotten better every single year. He's a guy that Tom Brady relies on a lot, and then even Antonio Brown and Scotty Miller, um, two guys that. Uh, Antonio Brown's on the on the downslope, but Scotty Miller made some made some splash plays last year, um, and can really be a bigger piece of the offense. And can't forget about our our favorite guy, Rob Gronkowski. He's good for uh, a few touchdowns and 600 yards just being by being him, being a teammate of Tom Brady. You know their connection, and so just the way that their offense and defense are so stacked, so they know exactly who they are, they know exactly what they need to do to win the Super Bowl again. And I think they can do it. Yeah, and it's it's almost weird talking about them because there's really not a whole lot to talk about. Just because everyone's back, not a whole not not a whole lot of change. Um, but for me, if there's two things that that I really look at that are the keys, and I mean they're really the key for every team. But in 2020, they had the lowest um, rate in terms of adjusted games lost due to guys out with injury. No surprise tops of from that list was the San Francisco 49ers. I know we talked about them a few weeks ago. It was kind of crazy at a certain point in the season with all the injuries they had. Tampa Bay, least amount of injuries in terms of guys that really matter. Um, but also, they finished second in that ranking in 2019. So multiple years, guys have been able to stay healthy. I don't really know how, how much you can quantify that, but I think that's a huge piece in terms of their success last year. But also, um, their last seven games, including the playoffs, they scored 30-plus points, and they only did that five of their first 13 games. And so really for me, offensively, this Bucks team could be a whole step up from what we saw last year in terms of obviously you kind of just threw Brady in there, hoped he still had it, and just tried to make the pieces work with obviously Bruce Arians. Everyone talked about QBs throw so many interceptions in a Bruce Arians offense, especially in year one. Um, and are we going to see a whole season of – just full speed ahead from this Tampa Bay offense with the weapons you talked about, they're ready to go, you know? And yeah. so we saw seven straight weeks of plus plus 30 points, including their whole playoff run. I think we're going to see them come out just guns blazing to start the season. And the scary thing is at the end of, I think it might even have been like the Super Bowl press conference or in their parade, Tom Brady was like, yeah, we didn't even find our stride last year. He, he was basically saying that they started playing better at the end of the year, good enough to win the Super Bowl. But he was like, we've got a long way to go still. And that's partly the GOAT mindset and partly just, like you said, they started playing way better at the end of the season. And that offense has to think, like, what, what, is, the, what is the highest we can go um, with everybody clicking on all cylinders and getting a whole nother offseason to work together? When you got to think, Tom Brady was coming into this new offense, new team, 
during the pandemic. He didn't even get a real off season. And so it makes sense that it took 10, 11 games to, to figure out how to connect with his, his receivers and connect with the offense. And they started running a little bit more of Tom Brady's plays at the end and things were clicking. And so with the whole, whole year under his belt, another off season, uh, you got to think that this is one of the top five offenses in the league. Yeah, and I think to a certain extent, you could even say on that Super Bowl run, the offense never hit their stride. I mean, we remember the, what was it, two or three picks in Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. The defense took over that game. The defense took over the Super Bowl. I think the defense really hit their stride late in the season. And the offense that seems like they didn't even really hit their stride scored 30 plus a game all the way down the stretch. And so, yeah, it's it seems like somehow that team with the talent it has still has untapped potential. Um, but a lot of those guys age is a factor and, and a couple injuries here and there really could derail everything. But I think for Tampa Bay's sake, there isn't that clear number two team challenging them. Like we saw the saints last year, unless Jameis just has a mind blowing year, which, Hey, we'll see what happens. But I think that's something for them either way. Maybe we won't see them. They won't have to put the pedal to the metal the whole season because they could build such a gap because, New Orleans is probably going to be down. Atlanta will get to them. And then Carolina, it's just the upsides aren't even close to what Tampa Bay's is. Right. And you got to give it give credit to Tampa Bay. They've done a really good job drafting. Last year, they used their first-round pick on Tristan Wirfs, who's one of the best tackles in the league. Um, really protected Tom Brady well last year as a rookie. And uh, Vita Vea, they dropped him a few years ago. He's just been a super productive player. Um, Devin White, one of the best linebackers in the league. And all the perfect storm kind of all came together with new coach, uh, good draft picks for a few years. Um, the salary cap, all their guys were able to to stay under it. They were able to keep everybody, um, all 22 guys. I wonder how many times that's even happened. And so everything kind of came together perfectly once they added a, a quarterback that could get it done. And uh, this next year will be fun. And also a little fun fact for you, uh, JPP is 8-0 in the playoffs. He's never lost a playoff game. So if Pierre Paul gets into the playoffs, he's pretty money. Oh, is, wow. is it Tom Brady or is it JPP? We don't know. Wow. Because, I mean, J he beat Tom Brady. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Zach sneaking the nugget in early. That's yep. crazy. I didn't know that. That's He's only made two playoffs. That's wild. Hey, two but for two. One of both. He's got two rings. That's crazy. And then, yeah, one the last note for me on, on Tampa is just, yeah, and throw in Antoine Winfield Jr. to that that the, the young guys they've drafted. I don't think there were two – bigger impact rookies not at the quarterback position last year than than Wirfs who was a plug and play tackle and then Antoine Winfield Jr. and they were both went to the Bucks. And so you got it it's it wasn't just Tom Brady coming in that that did this. Like you said, this is a it's been an amazing team. And I mean having Tom Brady on your team can attract a lot of guys that which is what we've seen as well. Um, and so that plays a part, but it this isn't just Tom Brady and a bunch of guys like we saw at times in New England. This is a really strong team from top to bottom. Um, but with that, we'll move on to Carolina, a, a team that I'm really excited about. I, I don't expect them to challenge Tampa Bay um, for the division, but I think there's a lot going for this team. Sam Darnold coming in. Teddy Bridgewater's out. He's in Denver now. Um, Sam Darnold coming in from the Jets. He's got Christian McCaffrey back healthy. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore at receiver. And then Joe Brady. As the offensive coordinator, the young the young gun who was with uh, Joe Burrow at LSU and is really had a good season last year in his first year in the NFL with Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm I'm really excited to see it's almost this is a, the prove it year 
for a guy like Sam Darnold and, and really Joe Brady as well, because if this Panthers offense has a great year, Joe Brady's an NFL head coach in 12 months time. Yeah. And this uh, wide receiver core, I think is underrated. They've got Robbie Anderson, who is reunited with Sam Darnold, as you mentioned, he had uh, over a thousand yards last year. Um, DJ Moore had over 1100 yards last year. And then Curtis Samuel had around 800. So they really got a three headed monster uh, for Sam Darnold to work with. And, Darnold's kind of gotten away with the excuse that uh, he's been a, he's been a bad quarterback when he was with the Jets. He was not good, and the excuse was well he didn't have any any weapons. He didn't have a great coach. He had a bunch of turmoil, a bunch of coach turnover. Now he's got a really good coach in Matt Rule, um, and he's got weapons. Uh, not to mention also probably the best running back in the league. So Sam Darnold's got to perform this year. Uh, got to see it. And I know you're a huge huge Sammy fan all the way back from uh, USC. But uh, I'm I'm not quite sure he can carry them like uh, like you seem to think. Yeah, and and we'll see. You know, I'm I I don't really care. I mean, I'm rooting for him. Um, but also, they do have who is it? Is it PJ Williams? PJ. PJ yeah, I think, I think it's so. Williams um, from from the XFL. He's had a pretty good preseason. He had played some games last PJ year. PJ Walker. With, I think, maybe. PJ Walker. Yes, that's correct. Sorry. Um, and he's a guy who every time I've seen him play, I'm like, this this is a legit NFL quarterback. He makes you know? plays. Yeah. And and so he's a guy where maybe if something happens to Sam Darnold, because I know injuries, things have popped up. He's missed a lot of games in his career as well. I'm excited to see what, what P.J. Walker could even do in this offense um, with him and McCaffrey in that backfield. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it comes down to it. If Sam Darnold can can play up to the talent that's around him, because I agree, I think – I mean, I don't, I can't think of every wide receiving core off the top of my head, but there can't be a more underrated group than there is in Carolina because those aren't just three guys who have had good years. They have consistently had good years. I mean, look at the numbers Robbie Anderson put up with the Jets year in and year out there for a while. And that'll tell you the player he is. And if you look at these other guys who have been in Carolina, they haven't had an above average quarterback their whole careers, you know, um, and so it, it, these guys are pretty legit, you know, and so I'm excited to see. And when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, that was the number one priority for Matt Rule when he came in last year. All seven of their 2020 draft picks were defensive players. Um, Derek Brown was their first first round pick defensive tackle out of Auburn last year. I'm expecting him to take a jump um, in his second year because there wasn't a more menacing presence, I guess you could say, in the SEC and down in the trenches than when Derek Brown was playing at Auburn. And so he's a guy I really like. Obviously, J.C. Horn, my favorite cornerback in this recent draft, was pretty darn sad that they took him up ahead of the Cowboys. But that's beside the point. I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, and so they've got – they're starting. It's almost like they're, they, they just need to look at Tampa Bay and just hope maybe in three years if we can get a couple more drafts right, get that, that, that stud at quarterback if Sam Darnold doesn't work out. They could be – one of the best teams in the league because the foundation is there. It's just what can Matt rule and those guys continue to keep doing um, really? Cause it's only year two for them. So. I don't want to start comparing people to teams that have Tom Brady. That's just me. Yeah. But. So I said, you get the quarterback, right? You got to get a stud in there. And I see. Yeah. 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 There, there's a lot of teams that you can say are three years away, but, but I get, I get your point. Um, the, uh, the main thing for me is their best player is unquestionably uh, McCaffrey. And he only played in three games last year. Um, he played in three games and he had six touchdowns. So he is still just a monster. They just got to stay on the field. And 
last year was kind of an anomaly. Um, typically, he stayed pretty healthy. So uh, McCaffrey can can make up for a lot. Um, if Sam Darnold Sam Darnold loves the checkdowns, and McCaffrey just like Kamara is an automatic six, seven, eight yards almost every time he touches the ball. So just something that really helps quarterbacks. But uh, the other thing about the Panthers that I want to mention is this is a stat that I love to look at: one possession games. Um, last year they were two and seven in one possession games, which you got to think that should regress the mean with McCaffrey back um, with it being the second year. And the funniest thing about two and seven is their two wins were against the Falcons and the chargers who also were the worst one possession teams <laughs> in the, in the NFL. So those, the, the uh, it was, it's just funny to see uh, who they beat in one possession games because it's exactly who you would expect. Yeah. Hey, they, I, I feel like I remember in some of our the peak of our NFL betting times, the Panthers were always covering though. They were always covering. They weren't winning, but they were covering. Yep. That's so, true. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with them. But I, I think this is a perfect segue into Atlanta because when I, my my reference there about Carolina, I think couldn't be less true about a team like Atlanta, who is somehow still telling themselves they're in win now mode with Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley's in there as the, the the surefire number one, and and I think he deserves it. He's he's a superstar player at receiver that he really has been since he stepped into the league. Um, obviously now there's a little bit more on his shoulders with Julio Jones out of there, but this team just doesn't have any promise for the future for me. You know, like I don't know how this the Atlanta Falcons can look at themselves and be like we're going to be in this thing going forward because they have an aging quarterback and that's it. You know. Yeah, I think that they might have kind of caught on there at the end, um, getting rid of Julio and trying to get a draft pick. Um, so maybe maybe they kind of see that. They kind of cut their ties with Julio Jones. But the the biggest thing with them is they have Calvin Ridley, who has really just come on uh, the last couple of years. And I think that Ridley's set to have a, a huge year. I'm, I'm going on the record and saying I think Ridley is a, is a top three guy in yards this year. May, might even lead the league. He's a... Uh, the Falcons are going to have to be passing a lot, and he's got nobody else except really Kyle Pitts to uh, compete for for targets. So I think Ridley's going to have a have a huge year. He'll be fun to watch. But yeah, like you said, um, if you're a Falcons fan, you just got to hope that Matt Ryan has a little bit left in him, and you get lucky. Yeah, I, I think Ridley. He's got to be near at the top in terms of I guess sleeper, not not your your Julio's, your Devonte Adam picks. Um, to even lead the league because yeah they're going to be trailing probably quite a bit and but he's gonna he's gonna make plays and he can make plays it'll be interesting though um, with with the Falcons new head coach in um, former Bills offensive coordinator Arthur Smith coming in we'll see maybe that revitalizes some things especially with Matt Ryan um, or actually former Tennessee offensive coordinator Arthur Smith not Buffalo so yeah Tennessee's offensive coordinator coming over to Atlanta um, Maybe it rekindles some things with Matt Ryan. I'm really excited, though, about Kyle Pitts. I think he is your prototype in terms of if he works out, he is the biggest mismatch in, the, in, in football. You get a 6'6 receiver. He's not even a tight end, but he, he, he's built like a tight end that can run like a receiver, that can make plays like a receiver, and he's just bigger than anyone you put on him. He is the modern-day Calvin Johnson. You know, pe- teams aren't looking for these 6'6 wide receivers anymore. They're going to try to find the Kyle Pitts, the Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles, 
Um, but I think Kyle Pitts is almost like an updated version of what we see with, with Kittle and, and Kelsey. And maybe that's because he's still going to have to put on some weight if he wants to be the kind of um, blocker that a guy, especially like George Kittle, one of the best run blocking tight ends in the game. And to me, that's what makes him the all around best. Um, but Kyle Pitts is a mismatch nightmare. And so it's going to be exciting to see him, but overall, I just, I just don't know if they have enough. Yeah. There's going to be plenty of highlight plays with the uh, Kyle Pitts and, and Calvin Ridley um, to go around this season, but they're, they're just so top heavy. Once, once you get past the, the stars with Pitts and Ridley and every, they have, they still have Hayden Hurst who's solid, but there's just not much depth um, at running back. They signed Mike Davis who, uh, had a solid year behind McCaffrey last year when he was hurt, but not somebody that scares defenses. And so they're just they just got they're a team with a couple with a couple studs and and a couple highlights. And besides that, could be headed for a, a seven six win year. Yeah, and um, some other quarterback news for them: AJ McCarron goes down with a non-contact knee injury, I believe it was the other day, and so. Um, the Falcons have signed Josh Rosen, obviously Felipe Franks from Arkansas trying to win a job okay. in there. Yes, sir. Um, so we'll see, we'll see a little, some stuff shaking up, but obviously um, Atlanta wants to keep Matt Ryan healthier. If Matt Ryan goes down, they might get, there's a really good chance they get the number one pick. I think. You don't um, believe in Felipe? Not, not this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Felipe, but, uh, Felipe is rushed for more yards in the preseason than he's thrown for. I think. There you go. Hey, <laughs> He's he's proven he's made, got some legs. Yeah, he's proven the doubters wrong about his athleticism. Um, but so you've got Tampa Bay winning this division. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so who do you have? Who do you have finished in second? I think that the uh, the Saints will still finish second. Um, I, I don't I don't quite believe in Darnold, and I think that uh, Sean Payton will find a way to to win some games. And I, I'm going I'm going Saints still. Yeah. And see, I'm going the complete opposite in terms of I'll go Carolina, but I'm thinking the exact same thing where it's like I will I would not be surprised because if, if they win this division, it's going to be because the experience and then just what Sean Payton can bring to the table. And I, I don't feel weird saying like I, it's hard to expect if Jameis gets a starting job. I don't think Jameis is going to play that bad because I really don't think Sean Payton is going to put him in a situation where he's going to be failing out there. You know, just because he's a coach where you, I, you can have that trust in, especially with a quarterback with what Sean Payton's been able to prove over his career. But with that being said, Sam Darnold's legit. Carolina finishes second. <laughs> only only a game behind Tampa Bay there. I'll throw oh, that in okay. there, too. There you go. Fighting for the wild card. We'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, so Bucks winning that division. Slide right into the AFC South here. Um, I think perfect to talk about Tennessee first since we were talking about Atlanta with Julio. Obviously, um, Tennessee both loses their offensive coordinator to Atlanta, but then they get Julio in return. That that must have been an interesting little trade as that new head coach's first trade, giving Julio to his old team. Yeah, that for kinda, sure. That's tough. But how, what what is your expectations of Tennessee? Because last year for me, I never fully bought into them um, after their their run the, the the previous year to the AFC title game. It's just they're even with Tannehill, even with Julio, they still almost seem like they're going to try to beat you old school. And I just don't know how that's going to work, you know, even but maybe it's different because Julio's in there now. A.J. Brown, another year older. Maybe I just don't trust Tannehill, but that could be that could be it for me. 
I mean, did did Derrick Henry have the quietest two thousand yard season ever? Like I, I feel like he had to. Have. I like I don't think that many people even know that he had over two thousand yards rushing last year. Um, it, it felt like it was so quiet. Like everybody knew he was doing great, but he ended up with over two thousand yards. They ju- he can just carry the team whenever there's nothing else going on. And uh, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry have to be the scariest three-headed monster for defenses to face just from a, a size standpoint. Like, I don't know how you match up and play 60 minutes trying to deal with those three guys. So that's what they have going for them. Yeah, and, and if Steve Smith saying ice up son ever was meant literally for an NFL defense, it's when you're going up against those three because, yeah. I mean, maybe if they trade for DK down the line um, – It'll just get even better. But, man, you don't want to tackle any of those guys once. But, yeah, doing it for 60 minutes. Um, and I guess with, with speaking of those three, there's not a luckier quarterback probably in the NFL than Ryan Tannehill because he's got those guys. Obviously, last year the offensive line was a little bit of a concern. Um, they lost right tackle Jack Conklin um, to a three-year $42 million deal with um, the Cleveland Browns. They drafted – Dylan Radnas, I don't know how to say his name, um, in the second round out of North Dakota State. He was Trey Lance's guy at North Dakota State. He could plug and play um, right in at right tackle from day one. But the other thing is that they get Taylor Lewan back, who tore his ACL last year at left tackle, and one of the top guys in the league, just kind of a crazy guy. But that's kind of what you want in an offensive lineman. Um, And so getting him back, I think, almost cancels out the loss of Conklin and maybe gives them some, especially if that rookie right tackle can step in right away. Um, but that could be the key for Tennessee because it's not going to be the skill positions holding them back. That's for sure. Yeah. And the other thing on the defensive side is last year, they only had uh, 19 sacks as a team. Um, so not really getting to the passer much. Um, they need to probably do a little better for that. Uh, but when you've got a, the ground and pound game from Derrick Henry, you kind of looked at it as a negative. I feel like that, that they had the old school, but I mean, if you have a guy like Derrick Henry and then, Julio Jones and AJ Brown with just getting yards after the catch like they can. I think that this style can work and they can get back to the AFC championship and, and be contenders. That's fair though, because your your that is your best defense is your offense sometime. And when you can hold you can keep that your defense on the bench with a guy like Derrick Henry just grounding and pounding all night, that will um that will play. But a a bit of a risk in free agency for the Titans. They signed Bud Dupree, who really did have really had been having a few good years with Pittsburgh after they drafted him a while back. But he did tear his ACL in week 12. Um, From what I saw, he should be ready for week one. If not, he'll be back really early in the season. But they gave him a four-year, $85 million contract coming off a torn ACL at the end of last season. So that's a lot of money for a guy coming off a torn ACL. But um, that could pay huge dividends, and that could um, really help them in terms of sacks because I don't know the exact numbers – but when you look at T.J. Watt's numbers in Pittsburgh, when Bud Dupree went out, T.J. Watt's sack numbers almost disappeared when he wasn't out there with him. And so Bud Dupree really can make an impact. And so if he's back healthy, that could be a Super Bowl winning offseason move for them, potentially, especially when you saw just the freaks running around that Tampa Bay defense on their run last season. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Bud Dupree is a, is a big signing. I forgot they got him, but they also lost uh... – Corey Davis and Johnny Smith, who they, they kind of replaced their production with uh, Julio Jones. But I think that the Johnu the uh, the Johnu loss is, is big. They used him in a lot of different ways. They would 
use him on tight end in the rounds. He was a really athletic guy. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, replace him as a tight end because they do go uh, to kind of tight end heavy offense sometimes with, with Derrick Henry in the backfield. True. Just wouldn't shock me if the Titans are the, the only team in the NFL to stack up on some fullbacks this year. Yeah. Just put, put a couple fullbacks in there for Derrick Henry. And I, I think for them, the thinking, and you can't really fault him on it, is that all those guys that left the door, Julio should make up for all of that, if you think about it, especially with – or A.J. Brown even, because you assume teams are going to be doubling Julio every night. That, that's going to free up A.J. Brown more than he's really ever been in his, his young career so far. And so he's another guy. I think maybe he's the breakout candidate for Tennessee. Um, but I'm excited to see Julio. I hope – I hope Ryan Tannehill proves me wrong and can air it out like Matt Ryan did with Julio because um, if he if they can really open up the, the, the passing game and and I don't know maybe just keep that defense off the field as much as possible in whatever way they can because it seems like they're almost maybe it's the Julio effect but they seem like the New Age Falcons to me where I think they take care of this division but I just don't see overall on both sides them being strong enough um, to compete with some of these teams in the AFC. Yeah, not to mention also Tannehill can run a little bit. He was a wide receiver in college. Everybody knows he's he's got some legs. But I just think this offense with the addition of Julio can can score in so many different ways. Um, so it'll be fun to see what defenses do, what they, which which part of their offense will defenses try and take away. That'll be the most interesting interesting thing to watch from week to week for me. Yeah, and I guess we'll turn to their the most likely challenger, even though they've probably a team with the worst preseason so far has been the Indianapolis Colts both Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson their star their quarterback and then their star offensive lineman going down with pretty much the same foot injury where it looks like both guys could be back right around week one but it's not for sure just yet Um, Sam Darnold the rookie out of Texas and Jacob Eason I think he's in his second year out of Washington are the two young quarterbacks who could be starting week one we'll see um but it's kind of messy in, in Indianapolis right now for a team that I think has pretty pretty high expectations going into the season. Yeah, this was a team that last year you kind of felt like they were a quarterback away. They had every other piece uh, on the offense besides uh, Phillip Rivers just didn't really get it done. Um, and their defense is, is nasty. They got one of the best linebackers in the league, Darius Leonard, just a tackling machine. They also uh, added Xavier Rhodes this year who uh, had a b- bounce back year last year and can uh, – Help them a lot, so I still feel like they're they're a quarterback away. I just don't think that Carson Wentz or or the two young guys really might not be the answer for them, especially if Wentz is hurt. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, either way, we've talked about prove it years with guys like Sam Darnold, but man, the 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 rise and fall of Carson Wentz has been pretty huge. And and obviously, the connection with Colts head coach Frank Reich, who was um, Wentz's original offensive coordinator in Philly. If there's one guy who could re- rekindle that magic with Wentz that, that we saw in that Super Bowl winning season, even though he wasn't the Super Bowl winning quarterback, it should be Frank Wright. And they have they have weapons on that offense. Last year, um, they're coming in their second year now, but, but the rookies on offense for Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor at running back, Michael Pittman Jr. at wide receiver, two guys that I, I think continue to take that leap in year two. And you've you still got T.Y. Hilton. You've got one of the better offensive lines in football with, with Quentin Nelson, the best offensive lineman in football, leading the way. This isn't some ragtag offense that, that Carson Wentz is walking into. And so, and especially with a division that has the two teams we haven't talked about yet, um, in Houston and Jacksonville, there will be 
pretty easy games to win for the Indianapolis Colts team. I just think it really does come down to Carson Wentz health and, and it just hasn't gotten off to a good start at all. And so it, it's kind of hard to predict much with them going forward. Yeah. And Jonathan Taylor, as you mentioned, had a good year last year, had a, uh, 1169 yards last year. And, uh, Quentin Nelson, his, uh, the guy he runs behind, I feel like he's on a highlight tape every week of him just smothering a, a defensive lineman or, or throwing guys down or he's in pass protection and he'll see somebody out of the corner of his eye and go get him. Um, I've never seen a lineman that gets more highlights than Quentin Nelson in his, in his young career so far. Yeah, and it, it's crazy. I feel like as a Cowboys fan, when Zach Martin really burst onto the scene, it's kind of weird we're talking about star <laughs> offensive guards. Burst here. onto the scene, yeah. Um, but <laughs> It, it seemed like it was pretty quick when it was like, oh, yeah, this dude is the best guard in football or he's one of the best. And it, it's been like that ever since. And I didn't think that was really possible for other guys. But Quentin Nelson, you, you're right. I've never seen an offensive lineman show up on more highlights than that guy. Um, but two Notre Dame guys, if I, I'm pretty sure Quentin Nelson's from Notre Dame, too. I know Zach Martin is. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's been crazy with him. And obviously, I think. You did, they, Indianapolis didn't want the injuries, especially to Wentz and Nelson. If there could have been two guys that they didn't want injuries to happen to, it's probably them. Um, but a pretty big sigh of relief, though, as neither was season injury and season ending, thankfully for them. And especially if we see, as we've seen some as the preseason has kind of rolled on, it might not be the worst thing in the world for them to just rest up and get ready for the regular season. Right. And you are right. Quinn Nelson went to Notre Dame. So kind yeah. of a fun connection there, but uh, O-line you like they they produce, man. Yeah, they yeah, produce. Do you think I'm also high on Michael Pittman? I think that by the end of the year, he was uh, really getting better every week. But do you think that T.Y. Hilton is done? I kind of feel like he's he's over the hill. I mean, look at the quarterbacks he's had the last year. I mean, I think no, you, you could say one guy's career wasn't derailed more by the Andrew Luck decision than T.Y. Hilton. You know, and he's still been able to pretty he's another guy where I think he fits with those Carolina Panthers trio, honestly, where even without the best guys year in and year out, you know what you're going to get out of T.Y. Obviously, the age is the age is getting there. Um, But I think if Carson Wentz can step in and and play well, I think T.Y. is going to have a good year. And I think having a guy like Michael Pittman can can hopefully take some pressure off T.Y. because I agree T.Y. is not going to be carrying this team anymore. Um, but I wouldn't say he's done, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, he is going to be 32 uh, during this season, and he had 762 yards last year, uh, 500 yards the year before that, only playing 10 games. So it'll have to be kind of a, a bounce-back year for him, and hopefully uh, the quarterback situation is what what fixes it for him. But I think that Pittman has to be the number one guy uh, for this offense to to really do well. Yeah, Yeah, I think so too. And I guess now we can we can close it out with two of the less interesting teams in the division. We'll start with Jacksonville. They were on Monday Night Football last night. Urban Meyer and his uh, his coaching staff were walking around on the sideline like some some lost kids or something. I don't know. Just they had a pretty sad look in their face. I know it's just the preseason, but maybe it was like, oh man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, but it's the Urban Meyer experience experiment that that's kind of how I'm judging this season you know I think Urban Meyer is probably thanking God every day he's got Trevor Lawrence because man I I don't know I don't I don't have much faith in the Urban Meyer experience at all but I know Trevor Lawrence is going to be a superstar and so that that's kind of my assessment of the Jaguars right now yeah but he's 
he'll be hurting on offense for uh, other guys that are up to his level. And he's still going to have growing pains. He's still a rookie. You can't expect him to to be a superstar right away. But uh, Travis Etienne, uh, we just got news today, breaking news that he's out for the season, um, which which they can't be too happy about. It kind of would have been a, a fun thunder and lightning uh, combo with him and James Robinson. But James Robinson has showed that he can carry the he can carry the load. He did it last year, so um, we'll have to go to him. But that wide receiver group, uh, they're going to need Marvin Jones to step up. Uh, who you you wouldn't really consider Marvin Jones to be a number one receiver, and not really the best uh, best group for Trevor Lawrence to start out with. Yeah, and and he's a guy that hasn't really played on many good teams, and so maybe that's why. But he is a guy that. If he doesn't have a breakout year up to what he's he's done so far in his career, it's it's going to be a tough year. Um, I I feel like I saw something about Lavisca Chenault, their young receiver, who's who's had some success going down with an injury. Um, I don't know what the extent was to that, but that could be a blow. DJ Chark, a young guy out of out of LSU, he's he's made some flash plays here and there, but they definitely just they don't have any real established receivers outside of Marvin Jones coming in. And so at least Trevor Lawrence has somebody, but like you said, it's really not that much. But I think just for this Travis Etienne situation, you know, I get bring him in. He could play running back slash receiver in the new age. He was Trevor Lawrence's teammate. But let's talk about how terrible of a team building scenario this is for Jacksonville. They picked up an undrafted free agent in James Robinson last year who rushes for over a thousand yards. <laughs> and what do they do? They go out and draft a running back in the first round, a running back, which what we've all, we all know what the topics of running backs are nowadays. And they go and draft a running back in the first round. Who's not going to play for the whole entire season. Like that is what makes me think like urban Meyer, you have no shot at this. Like this isn't college where you just grab this shiny piece, you know, that, that this is some Oakland Raiders type management we're seeing right now. And so I don't know, it, it turned out worst case scenario. So it's easy to point at it now. But I don't know, man. It's just it's a tough start with with ETN going down because he was one of their their lone hopes, I guess you could say, this season behind Trevor Lawrence, which that's who everyone's looking at for really everything to come from from this team. And that's just unrealistic, unrealistic to ask for out of him in year one. Yeah. And hopefully they can just keep uh, Trevor Lawrence healthy. Last year, we saw the Bengals. Uh, they made Joe Burrow do a lot of stuff for him and eventually he got hurt. So uh, hopefully Trevor. uh Trevor can stay healthy, and I just looked in. Lavisca Chenault uh, had a thumb injury, but he'll be okay for week one. So nothing, nothing too crazy there. But the other thing uh, that I saw when I was uh, researching the Jags a little bit was uh, Joe Schobert, their linebacker. He's uh, left for the Steelers. Last year he led the team in tackles and in interceptions as a linebacker, um, and he's gone. So that says a lot of things about uh, their defense um, with your linebacker leading the team in picks. And they're losing him to go along with that. So could could be tough. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a defensive note, but first just to pile on this running back talk here. They also <laughs> signed Carlos Hyde in the offseason. So it's like, what are what are we doing? Carlos Hyde, a guy who actually played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. So I'm fully blaming Urban for all this running back move. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. Maybe but hey, they've got some depth. They still got a one-two punch, maybe, and James Robinson, Carlos Hyde. But no player on the Jaguars had more than two and a half sacks last season. And looking at their roster, they really have two young pass rushers who I, I had a lot of, a lot of uh, I guess, promise for coming out of the draft. And one was Josh Allen, not the quarterback Josh Allen, but out of Kentucky Josh Allen. It's been a few years now. He was a top five pick, I believe. 
Um, and then you've got Caleb on chase on out of LSU who dominated the sec for a couple of years and neither one of them have really been able to get much going um, in Jacksonville. Maybe the new coaching staff coming in can help those guys. So they've got some talent, especially on the defensive, the defensive line. If you can get some edge rushers, that's one of the biggest positions in football to have strengths at. They've got some athletes there. Can they actually get, get production from them on the field, I guess, is the big question. Yeah. I mean, I, as I said, there's not a ton of hope for Jags fans. Um, it's hard to believe that they're in the AFC championship like four or five years ago. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, but it's because they've traded every first rounder since then. Or it's like, because I know there was the rumors about, I think I believe it was A.J. Terrell, their first rounder out of Clemson, cornerback last year. There were some rumors that they were possibly going to trade him, and that would have made it like, I think, seven straight years. Their first round pick didn't make it to the end of their first contract. Because you got what Ramsey, Miles, Jack, those are the only ones I can think of. But yeah, there's more. I, I had a, I thought it was five years ago. It was back in 2018. This yeah, AFC Championship game. Blake Bortles, Zach. That's three. How been three years? Like and they're they're a mess. They just had the number one pick. How does a team go from the AFC Championship to the number one pick that quickly? Yep. Hey, th- we talked about them earlier. I think the Atlanta Falcons could be. When when were they? They were in the Super Bowl. Was that 2018 too? Um, it I don't might even have know. Been. I know that the well, the Jags lost to the Patriots. So yeah. Um, what if we got a Jags Falcons Super Bowl? But it wow. was 2017. Was the oh, okay the that one? So but yeah, it's really just you. You lose your QB, you trade all your guys away, and you'll end up with the number one pick and a shiny QB. We'll see if it works out for him. But man, it's just it's been a long road for Jacksonville. Um, oh, and here's this too. They've been a team since 1995, only eight winning seasons since 1995. So, yeah. And let's move on and talk about a team that's even in a worse spot than the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars, <laughs> the Texans. Exactly. Yep. It's uh, so, go ahead. The, the only bright spot that I see is really Laramie Tunsil. Um, he's pretty good. That's all I got. Yeah, man, it's great. First, <laughs> the Deshaun Watson situation where I think all that I think needs to be said is it doesn't look like he's playing this year. If he plays this year, I don't expect him to play more than maybe a couple games at the end of the season. Um, by the time the season rolls around, he'll get placed on what the commissioner's exempt list while all the investigations go on um, and all that on top of he already wanted out of Houston. And so could he even be traded it's just a terrible situation all around. Um, and also the first year since 2010, they don't have JJ Watt. And so really the, the two cornerstones of the Texans organization for the last decade plus are gone. And so could be Tyrod Taylor leading the show. We'll see what happens. Him or likely maybe the, the, the rookie out of Stanford quarterback, Davis Mills. He's had a decent little preseason, um, but either way, not the, season that the Texans I think maybe they're ready there I think the Texans might be the only team that's ready for the season to be over yeah whenever everybody's <laughs> zero and zero everybody has hope um but the Texans don't no. they just don't um they're the whole team is just a mess like every everywhere you look they their talent are guys that were good once like three years ago they've got David Johnson uh Brandon Cooks uh, their skill positions. Um, they did sign Philip Lindsay, who had a good rookie year, has fallen off a little bit the past couple of years, but 
he's kind of a fun player. And then, yeah, Tyrod. I'm rooting for Tyrod. He he had a tough a tough go with it, getting stabbed by his own doctor. Um, so rooting for him, but not sure if he'll do great. Yeah, you know they got a big preseason win versus the Cowboys and Ben DiNucci last week. I think that might be the highlight of their year. Um, How do we feel but, about Ben DiNucci, Andrew? Oh, Ben DiNucci. That that can be my nugget of the game. That he is my self proclaimed worst quarterback to ever step on an NFL field. I don't want to hear it. There's nobody you could tell me. Does he ever make a throw on balance? No. I, never it's does. crazy. I watched the first half of the Eagles game last year when Ben DiNucci started on a projector screen. I was sitting on the wrong side of the projector screen, so the whole screen was backwards. And for the whole first half of the game, I just assumed Ben DiNucci was, was a lefty. And it just seemed normal with how, how terrible he was playing. And it was just – it was rough. It was, it was a good, I guess, summary for what was to come from Ben DiNucci after I think it was three – I think he threw like 10 passes, 12 passes, three were interceptions. So he's got a 25% hit rate. So he's got that going for him. But, yeah, that's about and, it on uh, Ben DiNucci. Moving on to, to my nugget, kind of a callback. The, uh, the, our favorite preseason team, the Ravens, still, still undefeated in their last, uh, what, 18 games? I think it's 19 now. 19 games? Yeah, so Ravens still have not lost this preseason. Um, got to love the consistency. Out of the yeah. Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and to continue on to that, if the Ravens win their next preseason game, they will hold all by themselves the longest preseason winning streak. They're currently tied with Vince Lombardi's Packers from the 1959 season to the 1962 season. Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packers won 19 straight preseason games. And I believe that's what the Baltimore Ravens are on right now. And so if they get that 20 number, and it's kind of crazy that out of all the coaches of all time, it was Vince Lombardi's team that was unbeatable in the preseason. So that, exactly. that's kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to looking forward to next week when we get to talk about our Cowboys. Yes. Uh, the East is coming. I hope you're ready for our Kool-Aid. We'll see. We'll see how much we bring, but there will definitely be some. Um, thank you for joining me, Zach. And thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, this latest episode of the So Close Yet So Far podcast.